You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now present the Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. everybody to Radio Maria Canada's The Health Hub. Our producer is Alex Diaz and my name is Kathy Biasse and I am the host of the show and I'd like to thank you for spending time with us. We are taping our show today so no opportunity for calling in but we would love to have you follow us on our social sites. We are on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook and we are at The Health Hub RMC on all three locations and please feel free to email us at thh at radiomaria.ca for any comments, questions, concerns, show ideas, guest ideas. We'd love to hear it all. And we would love to have you subscribe to our podcast. We are the Health Hub. That's all one word on iTunes, SoundCloud, and all your favorite podcast platforms. And you can find our podcast uh, replays on the Radio Maria Canada website, which is radiomaria.ca, and on my website, which is kathybiasse.com. Our guest today is Dr. Renee Wellenstein, and we are tackling the topic, the sensitive topic of libido. Um, She is is quite a great conversationalist, and she brings forward a a topic that um, is not talked about frequently within women's health. Dr. Renee is a double board certified doctor who has been working with women for over 20 years. And due to her own personal health challenges, she stepped outside the box of conventional medicine to take a radically different approach to health herself from the deep depths of burnout. About a decade ago, Dr. Renee was living what she thought was her dream life. She was an extremely busy OBGYN, married to a doctor with toddler twins, and had moved to a quaint, quiet town in the country. One day in May 2012, Dr. Renee fell off of her horse during a riding lesson and broke her back. She not only struggled with severe back pain, but with fatigue and the inability to focus. Her doctor diagnosed her with depression, but her symptoms did not improve after trying two different antidepressants. Two years after her injury, Dr. Renee was still struggling with unexplained symptoms. After exhausting all of her options in the conventional healthcare system, she was put in contact with a doctor who was an anti-aging practitioner. She finally received the appropriate diagnosis, her symptoms resolved, and she got back on her feet and joined the world of functional medicine. In August 2019, Dr. Renee started Caspira Elite Health Consulting, LLC. Throughout her journey, she has certainly faced her fair share of obstacles and has mastered the art of leaping into transitions with each pivot. Now, Dr. Renee empowers women to take control of their health jumpstart their energy and improve their confidence and reignite their libido. Lots of very interesting conversation on our show today. First and foremost, we are going to talk about what exactly a libido is. 
and how libido can be tied to other areas of our health and what are some key areas that we can tackle right now to help boost a low libido. Everybody, it's a great conversation with Dr. Renee and I hope you stay tuned. We will be back in a few minutes. You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program, The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody, and welcome to the show, Dr. Renee. Thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me, Kathy. We have so much to talk about. I'm sure that the clock will beat us before we get to the end of our conversation, but (laughs) we're here to talk about things encompassing women's health. Why did you get into this area of women's health? What's motivated you here the most? Well, it's interesting. So I am trained as an OBGYN and then went into functional medicine due to my own personal health struggles. And I had been practicing traditional, quote unquote, traditional, if there's such a thing, functional medicine for the past six years. And when the online health world got really loud during the pandemic, you know, a lot of other women's health topics were being covered, such as, you know, hormone imbalance and uh, gut issues and burnout, which is something I love talking about, adrenal issues. But when I pulled back and I said, you know what, there's a ton of women in my 20 years of working with women that have low libido, but no one is talking about it. And when we don't talk about it, we kind of normalize it, you know, like, there's a ton of women out there, again, as an OBGYN and then functional medicine practitioner, you know, I would actually encounter women on a daily basis who would come in saying that their their low, their libido is low. And they've been told by their other doctors that it's normal or it's because of their aging and it's something that they're going to have to live with. And it became quite evident that I needed to start having a conversation in public out on, you know, the internet, social media about the fact that low libido, if it's low for you, it is not normal. And there are things that we can do about it. So I just wanted to normalize the, or at least start the conversation uh, about libido and, and addressing low libido and women that want it addressed. A couple of things here. Uh, there's so many things that swirl in my head when we start talking about topics like this, uh, just because it's, uh, you know, it's, often happens or it happens to a lot of women doesn't make it right and normal. But before we get into that sphere, can you give me like what you, your definition of libido is? Yes. It's essentially your sexual desire, your desire for intimacy. And, um, and again, you know, there's really not a definition of what a low libido is because it looks different for every woman, which is why I love practicing the way I do it, you know, it's personalized medicine. So there could be one woman who is uh, sexually uh, intimate with her husband once a week, and that is completely fine with both of them or a woman where it's once a week and that's low for her. And I always say, if it's not where you want, if your sexual desire for your partner is not where you want it to be, then it's low for you. And maybe we should look into the reason why the root cause of why. Well, that crosses over many spheres of medicine, of psychology. (laughs) So I imagine Mm -hmm. that you hold many hats when it comes to a conversation like this. And again, uh, there's no normal for this. Um, And, you know, as as women age 
and things change. Everything is sort of attributed Mm -hmm. to, oh, it must be her hormones. And that seems to be the catch-all for everybody. This isn't necessarily Mm -hmm. the case, is it? No, no. It's, you know, I have actually taken care of women whose libidos actually significantly improve as they age and enter menopause. So that's a fallacy. You know, I do think back in the day as an OBGYN, I just addressed all low libido with needing testosterone. And that is because, you know, women's health topics such as this are not studied. We didn't have anything that was quote unquote FDA approved because here in the US, you know, as a conventional OBGYN, I only prescribed FDA approved medications. And, you know, I was really at a loss back in the day um, for how to help women with a low libido, which is why as a regular OB, I would really not want to discuss the topic because I didn't have a toolbox of resources to help. Versus when I went into functional medicine, I actually addressed it with every single patient. And this is really where I got my nice, you know, spectrum of, you know, women in their 20s coming in with no libido. I mean, they're 20 years old, apparently healthy hormones and all of the things that you think would play into a a normal, quote unquote, normal libido. And I would have a woman who is 77, uh, you know, widowed with her new partner with an amazing libido. And it's like, whoa, what is going on here? And that's really when I started taking a deep dive and starting to really study the different aspects of what could play into a woman's sexual desire. And what is it aside from a testosterone level that is playing a part? And, you know, so it's not to say a woman is aging that, you know, your libido is out the window is, is false. It's completely Mm -hmm. false. Yeah. I mean, uh, women who have gone through menopause are obviously in a different hormonal place than a 20 year old or a 30 year old. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and Mm -hmm. you're saying that you've come across women way through menopause that are in a happy place. So what other factors are contributing to a libido healthy or otherwise? Well, you know, you kind of hit the nail on the head when you said I have to wear many hats because you are correct. You know, most people do not think when they come to me that a doctor is going to be addressing their mindset when it comes to libido or their relationship. And I by no means am a mindset coach or a, some, a, a therapist, but I have done my own due diligence with my own mindset and relationship, as well as studied a lot from the experts to be able to bring to my clients a a perspective, at least call out the elephant in the room of what could be impacting their libido. And I have to say the through line for pretty much all clients I work with now is there's a mindset component of how they feel about themselves, especially after this year plus long pandemic, um, as well as how their relationship is doing. And, you know, we as women need to feel connected in order for us to, to want to be intimate and a lot, there has been a lot of miscommunication and disconnect over the past year, believe it or not. I mean, we've been together more than we've ever have been, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of things getting into the, in the way of that connection. So those are two different hats that I actually have to put on and, and address early on in working with a woman on her libido. Because if you, I've had a woman, you know, call and want to work with me, but she can't stand her husband. I said, of course you have a low libido. You don't like your, your partner. So, I mean, you don't need my help. You need relationship help. And so, you know, I, I think it's, I think it's a big uh, factor for me to, to address with my clients and, and women out there with a libido, you know, how do you feel about yourself? How do you talk to yourself? Do you want to 
get naked in front of your partner with the lights on because there's many women out there that don't. And men are very visual. They want to keep the lights on. And so to sort of avoid that encounter, she just doesn't want to be intimate. And, you know, how does she feel about her body? A, A lot of women are coming to me right now with, you know, saying they gained weight during the pandemic and they don't feel as comfortable in their, in their bodies. And that's affecting how they feel about their bodies and and intimacy and being touched. Um, And then the relationship issue, you know, I feel like a a lot of women feel as though their partners can read their mind. And I say, you know, they can't read our mind. We have to tell them what we want in the bedroom, out of the bedroom, all the things. So, you know, communicating about what has to be done in the house, how, how best to help with kids. If you have children, there's a lot of resentment over the past year because I think a lot, and I'm not disregarding men that are listening, but I think a lot of uh, duties in the house responsibilities have fallen on the, on the mom, on the woman mm-hmm. to, you know, keep her job going or, or reinvent herself because maybe she lost her job and homeschool the kids and, and, and sort of keep the house running during this uncertain time and cook the dinner and go to the grocery store, all of the things in addition to a lot of the emotional ups and downs over the past year. And a lot of times, you know, the husbands are coming home from being out of the house, which we love being out of the house. We ladies, we love connecting. We love being out and about, but we haven't been able to do that because a lot of women have been at home with the children and sort of resentful when their partners come in and just plop on the couch, get on their phones and don't even ask how they can help. And that's why I say, you got to, you got to say what you need. You need help with homework with the kids or grocery shopping or making dinner, or maybe you just have him take over and you go out for a half hour walk and get mm-hmm. some air, you know? So they're not going to read our minds and know what we, what we need um, to get through the day. And just that little bit of communication will lower the resentment factor a lot just because, I mean, if he says no, well, that's a whole d- different issue, oh, wow. but of a lot course. of times, yeah. Exactly. But a lot of times they do want to help. They just don't know how to help us. And we look like we have it all under control. And yes, we appear that way, but in our minds, we're just breaking down tired and just want to break. And you know, so and the, those are two big factors. The, the relationship changes and evolves. So communicating mm-hmm. uh, with your partner, we're going to say the same partner. I'm going to use that as an example, mm-hmm. communicating with your partner mm-hmm. early on in your relationship or a marriage and then when mm-hmm. kids come along and as kids, it, mm-hmm. that's all, that's constant communication. Um, and, it, you know, libido ebbs and flows through all of this, I imagine. And, you know, there's no mm-hmm. standard level of, of um, libido or, or sexual desire. Everyone's different. And I would assume couples uh, are different as mm-hmm. well. Like what's good for one couple or normal for another couple is not you know, for, for a, a couple and B couple are completely different. Doesn't make it wrong. Does it? No, it doesn't. And it's interesting. You said that because I did have a client fairly recently, her initial uh, complaint was low libido, but she had other things going on and she was menopausal. But when we did focus on the relationship and the communication, she realized that her husband was right there with her same level. Like there wasn't an issue because their intimacy was not, it was at a different level. They just love to hug and touch and just, you know, watch TV holding each other on the couch. And that was the level of intimacy that satisfied them both at this phase of their life. And so it was really uh, enjoyable to watch that she came thinking hers was low. And when she started to talk, it's like, oh my goodness, we're on the same page. Mm -hmm. And maybe it'll, again, like you said, ebb and flow, like there's been a lot of dips this past year because of the stress levels on both, on both sides. I think 
what's most, what pressures women a lot is when she's told by her partner. And I've seen this a lot in my career of there's something wrong with you. Go, go see the doctor and, and get on something and, and fix this, you know, like we're broken. And, you know, this is when I, I always say women are much more complex. We are not, we're not, first of all, we're not broken, but there's so many underlying reasons why her desire may be a little bit lower at a particular time of her life. And there's a lot of things that we have to peel back and, and, and figure out to help her because there's one thing for her, you know, she starts feeling broken. She starts feeling like there's something wrong with her. Whereas this is just the normal ebb of her sexual desire, potentially again, another symptom of something else going on that we can address, but she's really made to feel like the villain because she has lower sexual desire than her partner, or she's made to feel that her, you know, her partner thinks that she doesn't love him or her anymore. And it's not the case. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so there's a lot of having to validate, like, I do love you. It's just, or, or giving in to acts that they don't necessarily feel like they want to be a part of. So mm-hmm. there's a couple of double-edged swords there as far as, you know, um, the pressure, but it's really nice when we open the lines of communication and, and she does admit, yes, it's lower, but it's not you. And maybe there's something else going on. And again, generally there's other symptoms, you know, she might have low energy, very fatigued, um, you know, so other symptoms generally go along with the libido that again, we can work on. And it's a, it's a miracle when we work on several different symptoms that have one root cause and everything gets better. So I just I just like the pulling out, as you said, the, the elephant in the room and pulling out this conversation because it drives me insane when we are throwing, uh, you know, all things wrong into the hormonal basket or, yeah. you, you know, and it maybe it is the hormones, but maybe it's that's not where it originated. Right. You know, our mm-hmm. thoughts, yeah. our actions, what we eat, uh, what Perfect. we do can't impact our hormones and maybe you know you don't start i I drive we're going to talk the second half uh, you know of the show about women and medicine and the medical system but you know so Mm. many things are are pegged on on women that just you know that just aren't right and when you talk Mm. about how why is this such a hard thing for women to speak about likely because they feel lesser than is that what you're finding Mm. that that is correct. And they don't want to be made to feel like the inferior gender because they're, you know, they're having this. And, and not only that, you know, you look all over social media and you look to your left and you look to your right. Since nobody's talking about it, you assume, or the woman who has a lower desire is assuming that everyone around her is quote unquote normal and happy with their desire. And she's the only one. So she's not going to talk about, about it because she doesn't want to be singled out for what could be wrong with her. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just the conversation that we're not even talking about it. And again, if the fact that many regular docs, which I used to be, like I said, in the conventional OB world, really, they have, I think there's a new pill out for it. I don't even know because I don't keep up with the FDA approved <laughs> pills, although they do get put on my radar. Um, but, you know, so many people come, they say, well, my doctor, this is all she could give me and it's not working. And so, you know, they ran out of their toolkit. They don't have any other resource to offer them except for going to a sex therapist, which again, that may not, that may not be the solution either, but they don't really have anything else to offer. So I think, you know, it's just this fact that most docs aren't talking about it. They don't know how to address it. And therefore, 
women are sort of conditioned not to talk about it, even amongst their friends, which is interesting because a lot of women don't talk about other topics like menopause or infertility mm-hmm. or miscarriage. A lot of the other quote, I don't want to say taboo topics, but that's what they're becoming because we're not talking about them. Well, everything's just thrown up on social media and you're trying to peg yourself up against what you mm-hmm. perceive to be um, the right way, the, the, you know, the healthy way. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. it, social media can be a real uh, juggernaut for, for people who are having issues and, you know, we're, yeah. we're involved in it. We see it all the time. And, and let's face it, uh, you know, you can, you can increase and decrease sexual desire uh, within, you know, a week at a time, depending on how your week's gone, you know, throw children in there and, yeah. and throw tiredness in there. And I don't think that, you know, I think we need to come out of this guilt phase with women. We have a lot of it on our plates. I think you're right. And as much as uh, men have come to center stage and helped out more maybe than they have past generations, mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. still see it defers to the mom, it to, you, you know, what's for dinner, uh, where are we going, can I do this? Uh, my own family and my, you know, my extended family, this is what I see. Of course, it's not applicable to everybody, but uh, women are tired. They have a lot of roles, mm-hmm. a lot of hats, just as you as a physician does. Um, or as a doctor does. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, I, I feel for a lot of us out there because we're made to feel that we're not mm-hmm. right. We're not right. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I think that another through line throughout has been stress. Um, yes. and that's been huge again at yes. a baseline, but over the last year has been through the roof. So it's definitely impacting many levels of well, our health, impacting mm-hmm. our libido. And, and, you know, again, going back to more traditional lines, you know, the women make the house, they kind of, um, you know, sort of set things out. And, and then all of a sudden, everybody's at home, and everything is changed. And you're trying to step back and relax a little bit. It's, it's been a ride. I, you know, I know firsthand. I've had uh, my children uh-huh. from university being at home. Mm-hmm. My husband, who was out every day, is now, you know, in, my, in the downstairs office that I used to use. It was a struggle. Um, but it's, mm-hmm. it's getting better, but I, I totally understand. Let's take a quick break here and we're going to come back again. And uh, as I said, we're going to translate our conversation into women in the medical space. Everybody will be back in a few minutes. You are listening to the health hub here on radio Maria, Canada, a Catholic voice, wherever you are to contact us and be a part of the show. Email THH at RadioMaria.ca. We now continue with the program. Here once again is your host, Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. We're here on the second part of our show with Dr. Dr. Renee Wellenstein. Dr. Renee, how do you feel you differ dealing with women as a woman versus mm. dealing uh, women dealing with male doctors? in this space? Yeah, it's, it's, that's a great question. I do think, um, obviously I've experienced a lot of things that my former patients, current clients experience. And I always say, I'm just a couple steps ahead of them generally and, and, and everything in life and in my lifestyle and my family life and my health. And, you know, even as an OBGYN, I always thought I had this different, um, empathy and sympathy for females, because of course, I've experienced a lot of things that my patients would come to me experiencing. And I just had that different um, 
and I can't say this for all women, but speaking from my own perspective, you know, just taking the extra time to listen and just reflect and echo back how somebody's feeling. Because a lot of times as women, we just want to be heard, right? We just want to be heard. Mm-hmm. You don't want an answer. I always tell my husband, don't, don't fix it. Just listen. And exactly. And I do think a lot of women, that's all, you know, when you go to your doc, you want to be heard. And so I would always reflect back, even if I didn't have the perfect solution for her, how she felt. And, you know, even now in functional medicine, I continue to, I pivoted in my health and my lifestyle. And I just, again, continue every day to work on different things that I do believe promote good health, including mindset work. Uh, And as women, it's always a struggle for us, how we talk to ourselves and and how we think about ourselves. And so I always like to think that I'm even better of a clinician and practitioner because I have gone through so many of the challenges that my clients are currently going through or have gone through as well. So it's just that perspective of I've been there and I know exactly how you feel. And this is how, this is what helped me. Now, not, you know, no two people are alike, no two women are alike, but it always helps to hear what somebody else has gone through and you can always try it on for size and see if it helps you. So, mm-hmm. well, you know, we've pulled, if uh, we talked before the show, fibromyalgia, chronic pain, um, chronic fatigue syndrome, these uh, years past have been all in a woman's head mm. and you know, you look back at the history of women uh, as patients in the medical system, and it seems to be a different approach for women um, versus men. Is this is this just something I'm picking up on TV, or have you experienced this or seen this yourself? I've seen this myself, you know, and it's interesting. For I had a functional medicine office for about four years, whereby I took care of men, and it was really interesting taking, you know, side by side because, again, as a trained OB/GYN, I never took care of men, and um, for the brief time that I did, it was really interesting to see the things that men would tolerate coming into the office and the things that women would tolerate. For instance, libido. Uh, it would be very interesting to see, you know. 10 out of 10 men would come into my office. I wouldn't say 10 out of 10, but the majority, their major complaint was some sort of dysfunction with their sexual health. And when you further question them, they had a lot of things going on that let, you know, low energy, they're crying a lot. They just weren't motivated. They're losing muscle mass. So a lot of things pointing to something hormonal, but when it hit the bedroom, that was a non-negotiable. Like they were (laughs) through my door um, and help me now and do something about this because this is not normal. Versus women that come in and they, they, you know, again, a lot of things are in the conventional world poo-pooed because we are women. You know, for instance, I personally had dysfunction on my adrenal glands. I had adrenal issues after I, long story, I broke my back in 2012 and chased a lot of weird diagnosis. So I was actually in this world as well of being that woman with chronic pain. Oh, you're one of those, Right. And not only that, I had all these weird symptoms and it sounded like depression. So guess what? It must be depression because I'm a woman and I can't get out of bed in the morning and I'm not really feeling motivated. So what diagnosis box could I shove myself into? And it was a depression box. And after two failed antidepressants was the time I said, there's something else going on. And this is when I you know, into the dark side of alternative mm-hmm. medicine and functional medicine. I always make a joke about that, but it's what cured me. It's what I, I, where I found my help. And so many women are out there dealing with a lot of the symptoms that I personally had. 
And, you know, you get to a point where you really feel helpless and hopeless thinking you're going to have to feel a certain way for the rest of your life because your doctor tells you it's in your head or it's normal, or it's because you're getting older versus I'm telling you, you know, again, taking care of men, this is unacceptable in the male, in the men's world, you know, like mm-hmm. you find out something that's going, you know, fix me now. And I think a lot of women are just used to being told it's normal and then rolling over and just taking it and thinking, gosh, this is how I'm going to have to feel for the rest of my life. And I tell you, when I, I got so low, I actually thought about no longer living. That's how bad I felt as far as energy level. And I was like, you know, I had two young children. I said, I can't, this cannot be how I'm going to live the rest of my life. I can't even get through my day. So, you know, to think that there's women out there that are being told their symptoms their debilitating symptoms are normal and that they're going to have to live with them. It's, it's, it's no wonder that people are ending up on a lot of medications for other, other conditions because they're, they're having something that is potentially curable, but they're not finding the answer for, mm-hmm. and chances are there's not a ton of studies out there for whatever condition they have because women are, we're hard to study. You know, we cycle, many of us cycle, you know, and it's hard to con- quote unquote control a cycling woman. So there's not a lot of, of research being done on women um, for a lot of other conditions that medications can be prescribed for. So, so when, then when you're back to this, the topic of libido that is, is yep. so catch, it's like a, a basket for so many things. Where would you start with a woman who comes in and, you know, has this umbrella low libido? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it, is it, is it called a diagnosis or is it a condition or a state whatever? You, oh, you... I don't really. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a diagnosis, you know, um, but I after actually test, like, is it a diagnosis after a gamut of testing? No, it's more of a subjective okay. yeah. diagnosis of, of a low sexual desire, low libido. And, you know, I think it comes down to taking more of a history. Cause like I said, it's just usually more than one thing. It's, it, she just doesn't have a low libido. You ask enough questions, you dig deep enough, and a lot more comes out. For instance, you know, again, it could be mindset and relationship related, or generally speaking for my clients, it's more, it's definitely more than one, two, three things. I feel like, you know, there's this little roadmap I always follow. And again, it's not like this pretty little checklist. Like I I encounter the different things I want to address based on the client because everyone comes in with different presentations, different uh, symptoms of how they're feeling. And it's always low libido and it could be low libido and vaginal dryness, right? So low libido and uh, autoimmune condition, low libido and very prevalent stress from a, a job that's, that's burning her out and, and three kids under the age of four, you know, so like, I actually always have to figure out what's that always that and that goes with it. Because generally that is kind of where we start to, and I always like the the analogy of peeling back the onion of, of trying to help whatever that other and is to, to ultimately help the libido. Because generally speaking, you know, I always say with anything that I do, you didn't wake up one morning with a low libido. It was, it it usually is a slow process and, and something that potentially your partner wakes up one day and says, Hey, you never, you want to be intimate with me anymore, or you or many times the women notice, like, why don't I have the same desire that I used to have? And I would, again, say mindset, relationship, and stress are a through line of pretty much every client I work with and what we attack first. Mm-hmm. Because I know they all want to go like, oh my gosh, there's got to be hormone, hormone. Yeah. Let's attack those first. And 
I always say, okay, maybe we can quote, you know, and I hate, again, I don't love the word fix, but maybe we can balance the hormones. That's a better word by addressing all these other things, because we know that stress, you know, negative thoughts or their mindset affect our stress level, affect our hormones, or, you know, feeling trapped in a job affects your stress level, affects your hormones, toxins in your life. You know, there's a lot of endocrine disrupting chemicals out there, including plastics and like fragranced products, personal care products that are disrupting female hormones and male hormones, by the way. So, you know, there's a lot of nutrition. I know, you, you know, you as an expert in nutrition, like diet has a huge, and gut health has a huge impact mm-hmm. on hormones and libido. And so it's a really this little roadmap. Again, we kind of tackle the biggest things first to start peeling it back because it, it's, it's the biggest thing, biggest elephant in the room. And the thing that we actually have to work the longest on And generally speaking, when we do that, a lot of times at the end of the day, when we get to the end of all the things I want to look into, the things at the end are actually corrected because of the things we did in the beginning or, Mm -hmm. or not an issue because we feel so much better. So, and, you know, when you're talking about hormones, we're not just talking about estrogen Mm-mm. and, and, you know, we're talking about, you know, we're not going to get into the pathways of hormones and everything, no. but, you know, if, if we talk about uh, the, the stressor hormone, cortisol, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. can be related to stress. It can be related to diet and this mm-hmm. can go on and impact uh, other hormones. So mm-hmm. um, it, it's not just as simple as saying, you know, my estrogen's off or it's this time of the month or, you know, it's, it's just not that simple. No, now, we, I mean, we address everything, estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, to a little bit, insulin, um, yeah. thyroid, adrenals, like we, we are, we have lots of hormones to talk about. <laughs> oh, exactly. I mean, that we haven't even talked about the thyroid. Um, mm-hmm. And if that's not functionally optimally, well, you're not going to feel like doing much of anything, are you? No, no, not at all. Nope. Now, let's flip this a little bit on its ear and talk about the health benefits of a healthy sexual relationship. I mean, we, we didn't, we haven't even talked about that. Well, you know, just the sheer, the connection you feel by having a healthy relationship is, you know, that rise in oxytocin. Oxytocin is our cuddle hormone. And oxytocin is on the, like a little teeter totter with cortisol and cortisol is our stress hormone. And so the sheer connection, just touching, you don't even have to be intimate is actually, you know, improves our oxytocin, which in turn will lower your cortisol, your stress level. So one surefire way of, of helping your stress level is I always say a 20 second hug will fix a lot of things just to get a woman out of her um, out of her head, you know, there's, there's, you know, stress relieving again, because the cortisol, so intimacy, oxytocin rising up, lowers your stress level. A lot of other things can come from that, you know, lowering blood pressure, um, you know, improving when you lower your stress, a lot of times you make better health choices that improve your gut function, improve your immune system. Um, you know, generally speaking, those women that are more, active, are more confident, they have better self-esteem, you know, there's even, you know, health benefits to testosterone injection, or like sperm, I should say, of increasing a woman's testosterone. So, you know, better performance at work, you know, better, just more motivation. There's a lot of 
health benefits that come from the intimacy and the connection and that rise in that oxytocin, which we don't talk enough about oxytocin, but it is a really uh, important hormone that has great benefits, uh, particularly when it comes to lowering stress. Well, the power of touch. I mean, there's mm-hmm. been there have been books written about it. Uh, we know that it's it's lovely just to hold hands with, you know, our our partner, our kids, and again, we don't have to. Ha- you know, it's not a sexual thing. It's just no. it's just the intimacy of touch. And, um, you know, like I said, many books, and I've read a couple of them, and it's, you don't have to read the books either. You just feel better when you're given a good hug. And exactly. And this is, you know, this has been a stressor that we've been going through for a year and a half, right? We've been disconnected. We've, we've missed that touch. We've missed that intimacy of relationships. So, you know, it's, it's not untoward that a lot of women might be suffering uh, right now. And it's, it's great to know that you're carrying on the conversation where this brings it to light. And it, it, it lets women know that, you know, it, it may not be just about your hormones or just about your, and you're not wrong. You know, you're not wrong. You're, you, you've got a condition or you've got something, but it's, it's work. You can work on it and, and move move into a better place. And I think it's a conversation that needs to be talked about because you're right. Women, these are things maybe women don't talk about. You feel lesser than maybe, you know, mm-hmm. you feel, absolutely, mm-hmm. and it's, it's, it's unfortunate. Now, are you, you're online with your practice? Um, yeah. Are you seeing people outside of the United States or are you strictly within your borders? No, I can, no, I can, I can quote unquote see because I'm online so I can see anyone anywhere. Um, and I offer functional medicine testing also, give or take, you know, some women, we navigate without it. And some we pick and choose what is needed to sort of get to the root cause of how they're feeling, or why they're feeling how they're feeling. So, but yes, my my business uh, is 100% online, I serve as a health consultant. And yeah, and one on one work is what I prefer, um, Mm -hmm. just because everyone's so different. Now, in the future, I might have more of group help available, but it's, it's, I'm, I'm not there yet. I'm getting there, but right now I, I prefer working with women and just giving all of my attention to her and what's going on with her. That's wonderful. And, mm-hmm. and where can women reach you if they want to uh, connect? Yeah, I think my, I'm all over social media and Dr. Renee Wallenstein. I always say that's kind of like my, my shingle now, <laughs> social media, <laughs> speaking of social media. Um, but I also have a website, drreneewellenstein.com. And there you can apply for a call if it is a fit for you. You know, I do uh, consults, like a one-time consult, if someone just kind of needs guidance as far as where, what to address and where to go, or more extended one-on-one work with me anywhere up, you know, upwards of six months working together. So Wonderful. lots of ways to support women. Well, I really do appreciate you coming to the show. I do appreciate your open and honest conversation about this topic. And I'm sure a lot of women are resonating uh, with it right now. So uh, thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Renee. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. And everybody will talk to you next week on The Health Hub.
have been listening to The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi, here on Radio Maria Canada.